Amen. We're turning in the Word of God together to the Gospel of Luke and to the chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 5. Going to commence a reading at the first verse of this chapter. And we will read here of a great miracle that was performed by the Lord. Luke chapter 5 and the verse 1 it makes mention to the lake of Gennesaret. And that, of course, was another name for the lake or the sea of Galilee. Luke 5 and the verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Amen. We'll end there at verse 11. And may the Lord bless this reading of his own precious and infallible word to each one of our hearts. Amen. Let us take God's word once again and turning together to Luke chapter 5, this portion of scripture. We've read the first 11 verses and they contain a great miracle performed by the Savior. We have a miraculous catch of fish, and that's what I want us to center our thoughts around today. We'll just unite in a brief word of prayer. We'll ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank thee for this opportunity of being able to worship thee, and we thank Thee, our Father, for Thy precious Word. 
that word that is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. We pray, O God, that that word would shine brightly forth into each of our hearts today and give to us, O God, that guidance and that direction from thee. May there be a word in season, and I ask thee, O God, for help in the ministry of thy word. We confess that of ourselves we are not sufficient for these things, but may we prove today that our sufficiency is of the Lord, and may we know the sufficiency of thy grace in the ministry of thy word. Shut us in now to thee and defeat the powers of darkness. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, the Savior performed at least six miracles involving the Sea of Galilee. And you could probably think of some of those miracles. You would remember how the Lord calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. You would remember how the Savior walked upon the Sea of Galilee and how Peter the Apostle was also able by the miraculous power of God to walk on that sea. You'll remember the miracle that the Savior performed with the coin that was in the fish's mouth. And of course, we have two miracles performed in the Sea of Galilee involving the great catch of fish. And it's the first of those miracles that is before us here this morning. The miracle of the great draft of fishes performed there in the Sea of Galilee. And reading this passage reveals to us that it all started out with the preaching of the word. As the Lord was there along the shores of Galilee, the crowd began to gather. There was a tremendous desire to hear the word of God from the lips of the Savior. And as the Lord is there on the shore, the people are flocking to hear God's word. And it's powerful to think of such a situation where there's a multitude of people and they have a real hungering for the word of God. And you look there in the very first verse of this chapter, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, what a tremendous experience that must be when you have a throng of people pressing upon you to hear the word of God. And there's this great congregation gathering along the shores of Galilee. We would love to witness such a hunger today. Seems to be the opposite today. Seems to be a neglect to the attendance of God's Word, a neglect and attendance to the preaching of God's Word. How little appetite there would seem to be today for God's precious Word. But here, in seeing the desire, the Lord was going to minister that Word. And in order to do so effectively, He borrows the boat from Simon Peter. He borrows that fishing boat and he asked Peter to thrust out a little there from the shore 
and using the boat as his pulpit, the Lord Jesus Christ began to minister the word. Can you picture that in your mind's eye? There they're all lined along the shore and the Savior is in the boat and he's ministering the word of God. When he came to the conclusion of his message, he asked Peter then to launch the boat out into the deep and to let down the nets for a draft of fish. Peter was a little reluctant at the beginning. But then Peter let down the net. And that's when the great miracle took place. That the Lord, the sovereign Lord, was able to guide a great multitude of fish into the net to the extent that the net started to break. And they had to beckon their partners in the other ship that they would come to the raid and to their assistance. And they were able to fill both of those ships to the very brim with the multitude of fish that they had caught in the net. Both ships were laden down to the extent that it tells us at the end of verse 7 that they began to sink. What a miraculous catch of fish. And as we think for a moment or two about this wonderful miracle by the power of the Savior, there are some lessons that we can draw from it together. First of all, I want you to notice in relation to this miracle, the request, the request that is in this miracle. Look there at the verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And there was the request to Simon Peter. It was the request to borrow his boat. And whenever you think about the circumstances in this request, it reveals something of the character of Peter. Because when the Lord made what seems here on the surface a very simple request, we would say that, well, Peter was busy whenever this request came. Peter was busy. It tells us at the end of verse 2 there that they were washing their nets. They had been out fishing and now they were washing their nets. And so we know that when the Lord said to Peter, thrust me out a little from the shore, Peter was a busy man. You ever get asked to do something when you're busy? Someone ever approach you whenever you're doing something else? Peter could have said here, can't you see I'm busy? I'll be with you as soon as I can. I'm doing something else here at the moment. That would have been the polite responses. Maybe some wouldn't be so polite when they're so busy engaged in doing something and the request here comes to do something else. Well, when you want something done, they say, ask a busy man. And Peter was one who wasn't afraid of work and of labor. And he proves that here even with the fishing business. They had been out fishing all the night and now having come in in the morning time, they're washing the nets. That 
That's hard work and hard labor. And while he's busy, the Lord gets into the ship and said, thrust me out a little from the shore. In the circumstances where Peter was busy, we would say as well, Peter was tired. He would have been physically exhausted. He had worked and labored all the night. The word there is toiled. We have toiled all the night, it tells us in verse 5. No doubt Peter was weary, worked all night, now washing the nets. Peter's thinking about getting home and getting a lie down. He needs now to rest. He needs to sleep. And so you can see the circumstances of this request. He's busy and he's tired. I wonder how we would react when we're busy and we're tired. And that request comes. We could say as well, Peter, he would have been disheartened at this particular time. Because it tells us there in that fifth verse that he said, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. You think of all of those long hours of hard work and labor all through the night when they're toiling there out in the midst of the sea and they're wrestling with the nets and there's nothing to show for it. And so when the Lord came with what seems a simple request, he was busy, he was tired, he was probably disheartened and discouraged. And the Lord is now saying, Peter, can I borrow your boat? I need your help here now, Peter. Thrust me out a little from the shore. Maybe if we were busy and were tired and were disheartened, maybe others would say, give them away birth. Maybe they would say, you, you better tread carefully there. You, you would need to tiptoe around them. Well, the circumstances in this request would reveal Peter's character. He was willing to help the Savior. And he was willing to assist the Lord here. He was doing a work for God. And his compliance to the request reveals something of his character as well. He consented. He consents immediately that the Lord is able to borrow his boat and they thrust out a little from the shore. And what the apostle Peter is here doing, he's assisting the Lord in the preaching of God's word. He is laboring to see the word of God go forth. He's doing all he can to forward the gospel. He's a willing helper. A willing helper. And Peter's a good example to us to see the importance that is attached to the preaching of God's word. That need to get God's word out to others and to use whatever means is at our disposal in order to sow the good seed of the gospel. And you can see the importance that Peter attached to that and the priority that Peter gives to that. May we never forget our responsibility today to keep to the Great Commission when the Lord says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. 
And we may not be the one who's actually there doing the preaching and delivering the word, but we can come like Peter to their assistance and we can do all that we can to see the word of God going forward. The request in this miracle. Then I want you to notice, secondly, the requirement in this miracle. It goes here further. Verse 4 There's a requirement from the Lord. Now, when he had left speaking, and so he's come to the end of his message, the preaching has concluded. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Now, we could say as we're looking at this that the Lord is now wanting to to repay Peter for the use of his boat and being able to borrow his boat. It's payback time. The Lord's going to reward him. But it's more than that. The Lord is testing him. The Lord is drawing Peter on. You see, initially, the Lord had just said to Peter, thrust out a little, thrust out a little from the shore. Well, that wasn't really going to put Peter out too much at all. But the Lord is now saying to Peter, launch out, launch out into the deep. Do you see the progression that there is there in this requirement as the Lord's drawing Peter to go further? Borrow your boat. Thrust out a little. Now launch out into the deep. We normally don't mind. We could do that little bit of labor and of service. It doesn't put us out too much. We're happy to thrust out a little from the shore. And we don't have to push ourselves too far. But here the Lord required Peter to launch out. And he's launching out into the deep. And that's the idea of going further. Not just shallow water, but out into the deep water. And real fishermen would know the need to go to deep water if you're going to catch these fish. But there's spiritual application there. Launching out into the deep, we could apply spiritually and say that the deep things of God. We don't want to continue as shallow water Christians. Whenever we get saved, we we may be just in the shallow water. It may be just the milk of God's word, but we want to make progress and we want to get to that point where we launch out into the deep and we can take in the very meat of God's word. In 1 Corinthians and the chapter 2, The verse 10, the apostle is referring to the Holy Spirit. And he says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And when Paul's referring to the deep things of God, he's referring to the Holy Spirit who is able to search the deep things of God. And we need the blessed author of this book to come and to reveal the things of God to us, yea, the deep things of God. 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. And when we cried to the Lord for the help of his spirit to give to us an understanding of his word, yea, and to lead us into something of the deep things of God, Recently at our Tuesday night prayer meeting, I spoke on the thought, the dimensions of God's love. And we thought there from Ephesians about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. Oh, the depth, the depth of God's love. There's an ocean of fullness into which we can plumb that we would want to know something of the depth of God's love, the deep things of God. Romans 11 and verse 33 speaks about the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth of his wisdom, the depth of his understanding, the depth of his knowledge, all that we would launch out into the deep want to have a greater grasp of God's precious word. The next requirement there that was given from the Lord to Simon Peter was, let down your nets. Let down your nets. Peter was a fisherman by profession. He knew the business, and he certainly knew the Sea of Galilee. And he knew by experience that now was not the time to fish. It was the daytime. And anyhow, he'd already toiled all the night. And he had taken nothing. He wasn't getting anything at all. And the flesh part of Peter is saying, no, don't be letting down the nets. You're wasting your time. But the spiritual part of Peter is saying, this is the Lord, and we must obey what the Lord commands. And so there's something of a wrestling going on within the heart of Peter when the Lord said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And Peter's thinking as the fisherman, it's not the right thing to do. And yet this is the Lord, and the Lord is telling him to do it. Maybe you have been letting down the nets for a long time and you feel that you have toiled and you have taken nothing and you have little to show for it. And when the Lord would be saying to you, go again, let down the nets again. And you could be thinking by way of the fleshly part of you, well, I've already tried it and I've already been doing it. The Lord says, go again. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. It's often applied here to the gospel net. And this multitude of fish coming into the net is like a multitude of souls being saved. And therefore, the application is clear. Oh, we want to launch out. We want to let down the net. We want to see that catch of souls. Those being saved and won. For the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Notice there in verse 5 what Peter said. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And he complies. And he obeys. But there's an important detail here. That I remember as a young Christian listening to old cassette tapes of Willie Mullen preaching. And I heard him preaching on this, and he pointed something out that I have never forgotten. You notice in verse 4 what the Lord said by way of requirement there at the end of verse 4, let down your nets for a draft, plural, nets. And then remember the wrestling that's going on within Peter's heart. And at the end of verse 5, he said, I will let down the net, singular, And so while we could read it maybe quickly and go over it and say, oh, the Lord's told them to let down the nets and Peter has obeyed and he's complied with it. But Peter just let down the net. He only went so far there in his obedience to the Lord. And then you read in verse 6 that the net, singular, it started to break. You see, if he'd let down the nets, then they wouldn't have broken. But because he's just let down the one net, and there's such a multitude of fish in that net, that that net is starting to break. In John's Gospel, chapter 21, you have a parallel passage where there's that second miracle catch of fish on the Sea of Galilee, And it's interesting to note there that in John 21 and the verse 6, the Lord said unto them, cast the net, and he just said one net that time, the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Multitude of fishes, but in John 21, you don't read that the net break. And the point was that there must be that obedience to the Lord, that when the Lord says nets, he means nets, and when he says net, he means net. And there was the miraculous power of God revealed here in this miracle that we have read in Luke 5, where there was this multitude of fish that was brought in to the net thinking at this month especially about harvest. One man mentioned to me last year, we we never mention much about the harvest of the sea. And that's a good thought, the harvest of the sea. And here's the harvest of fish that's being gathered in. And we ought to be thankful to the Lord at our harvest time for the harvest of the sea. But here's the power of the Lord. Not only do the wind and the waves obey him, but the very fish must obey him. He has dominion over the fish of the sea. Verse 6, and when they had done, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. So we thought about the request in this miracle and the requirement in this miracle, but thirdly, the realization in this miracle. Look at verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
Peter came to something of a realization here. It tells us there in that eighth verse, when Simon Peter saw it, what did he see? Well, he saw the power of God being displayed. That great multitude of fishes, he saw a demonstration of the Lord's almighty, miraculous power. And you know what Peter realized? He realized his unworthiness. He hadn't fully obeyed the Lord, and yet he could see the mercy and the goodness of the Lord and this wonderful demonstration of the Lord's power, and he felt a total sense of his own unworthiness. And he humbles himself there before the Lord. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Realized in the light of the Lord's mercy, his own unworthiness. He realized too his own sinfulness. I am a sinful man, O Lord. But he realized the lordship of the Savior. You see, there before the Lord and all that had taken place with this wonderful miracle, Peter has that greater view of the Lord, realizing more of his person, realizing more of his power and of his dominion. And there as he stands in the presence of deity, he has an overwhelming sense of his own unworthiness and his own sinfulness and of who the Lord before him really is. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of glory. Oh, that we could come to that greater realization ourselves. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah 6, when he saw the thrice holy God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And when he saw something of the Lord and of the glory and the majesty of the Lord and of the holiness of the Lord, his response was, woe is me, for I am undone and I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah must humble himself before the Lord, a realization of who the Lord is. Job, chapter 42, the verses 5 and 6. Job said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see these individuals who see something of the glory and majesty of the Lord. There's a realization of who the Lord is, and there's a humbling and a submitting of themselves before the Lord. Peter says, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Isaiah says, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Job says, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And all oh, that we could be taken up with a fresh realization of the Lord himself. To see more of Christ and to, to see more of our own uh, sinfulness and how unworthy and undeserving we are. 
Peter was really casting himself upon the Lord here. He was praying a prayer he didn't really mean because he cast himself down at the Savior's feet and yet he was saying to the Savior, depart from me. Of course, he didn't want the Savior to depart from him. It was just a realization of his his own undeserving and unworthy nature. But then finally, I want you to see the result of this miracle. Just look at verses 10 and 11. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And remember, the Lord has been drawing Peter out after him here, step by step, going further and further. And Peter has come to the point where he's at the very feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's realizing afresh who the Lord is. And he's seeing his own sinfulness, how far he has come. The borrowing of the boat, the thrusting out a little, the launching out into the deep, the letting down of the net, the demonstration of God's power, and now his unworthiness. It's now that he's ready. He's ready to be commissioned to serve the Lord. The verses there that we read, verse 11 says, they forsook all. He left the boats, he left the nets, he left the multitude of fishes, he left the whole business, and he's stepping out here in service for the Lord. His business had never been going so well. That's the very time when he had to forsake all. That verse 11 says, followed him. And I emphasize there the him, that's the Lord. He's not following man, he's following the Lord. And Peter will learn on more than one occasion from this point on that he needs to keep his eyes upon the Lord. And don't be looking, Peter, at the circumstances. Don't be listening, Peter, to the criticisms. Don't be going uh, with companions that would get you into trouble. Follow the Lord. Peter forsook all and followed him. And he became a fisher of men. From henceforth, the end of verse 10, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Going to go forth now, Peter, as a preacher of the gospel. You're going to catch men. You're going to see souls saved and won for the Master. And on the day of Pentecost, what a multitude of souls were caught in the gospel net through the preaching of the apostle Peter. Going to be a fisher of men, Peter. Peter would have been anxious because those first words of the Savior in verse 10... Well, the words, fear not, fear not. Oh, he would have had his fears, human nature. Natural to be anxious here, but he had this word from the Lord to reassure him, fear not. Never fear in following the Lord 
in service may not be easy. Many difficulties would be ahead of the Apostle Peter, but he would never regret that day when he stepped out in service for the Lord. He could consider all that the Savior would endure for him. He could think of how far the Lord Jesus Christ would go. The Savior would go all the way to Calvary. He would suffer that pain and agony upon the tree and he would pour out his precious blood, that scarlet crimson tide. He would pour out his blood unto death. And Peter therefore would know that the Lord had given his all for him. How could Peter therefore withhold? The C.T. stud, very good cricketer, a great cricketer, could have made much money by that professional cricket career. But he said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. May the Lord bless these thoughts to each of our hearts this morning.